Happy Monday, entrepreneur. If you have not gone back and checked out the last interview episode with Michelle Wax, she is the founder of the American Happiness Project. You definitely have to go back and check that out because the amount of knowledge that she gives you and the data around happiness is, is pretty incredible. And you really need to know that, especially given the heavy times with COVID and elections and everything else. So be sure to go back and check that out. And for right now, I am jumping in with my dear friend and powerhouse of a woman, Julia Becker-Collins. Let's go. Ever found yourself teetering on the edge of throwing in the towel? You know, asking yourself questions like, is this supposed to be this hard? Or is it even possible to succeed at this entrepreneur thing? <sighs> I completely get it. Because I built my successful businesses while juggling major health issues for my children and myself, debt piling up to my eyeballs, and so much more. Want to know how the hell I succeeded and how you can too? Tune in to find out. Here we go. They Entrepreneurs, I am so excited to welcome a dear friend of mine to the show today, um, Julia Becker Collins. Now, this powerhouse of a woman, and I do not say that lightly, has <laughs> um, you know bent the hell and back. Um, and I wish there was just a stronger phrase than that to use. And she is joining us today to tell us a little bit more about her journey over the past couple of months. But let me tell you just how fucking fantastic this person is. So number one, she is the COO of Vision Advertising. So that is a 100% woman-owned, full-service marketing agency. She's also the co-founder of the Metro West Women's Network, as well as the president of it for the first two years of that company. And she's won the Worcester Business Journal's 40 Under 40 Award, and that was in 2019. So as if, you know, being a COO wasn't enough, she is also an endurance athlete <laughs> that, is complete, <laughs> that has completed three um, 50K, so 32 mile. 32 miles, guys, 32 miles races, um, two of which were obstacle races with one of those 15,000 plus feet of elevation and 70 plus obstacles, which I'm exhausted just reading that because I went for like a 10 minute walk earlier. So prior to um, what we will talk about in this episode, cancer treatment, she could deadlift more than her own body weight, ran three times a week and did CrossFit. Um, you know, she doesn't come from an athletic family, which I just think is really amazing too to share with you guys. And she didn't do sports growing up. It was all kind of self-starting. And when she started running about five years ago, you know, she, she's working to real, rebuild all of this, you know, mid-treatment, right? So, and one of the things I alluded to in this is that she is currently in treatment and dealing with thyroid cancer. So when we talk resilience, when we talk business plus resilience, personal plus resilience, um, I would have to say that this girl's muscle is pretty strong, not just because she's an endurance athlete, guys, haha, but because, you know, she's been through some shit. So welcome, Julia. Thank you for being on with me today. Thank you so much for having me, Michelle. I'm thrilled to be here. Yeah, so I want to jump. I want to jump right into it, friend. Um, <laughs> let's just go. Let's just go there. I want you to take us back. Take us back to right at the beginning of COVID. You know, you were a COO of a company who, you know, a lot of your clients were restaurants. Um, so set the stage for us. What was going through your mind? What was happening beginning of March? Absolutely. So, you know, really the very beginning of March, things at business were great. We were doing incredibly well. We had an amazing first quarter of the year and um, I love leading a team of people and business was thriving. Um, in the very, very beginning of March, uh, I had an annual physical with my primary care doctor, just like everyone should. Um, I have always been really good at uh, self-care. I've always kept my doctor's appointments and not blown them off. Um, I was so busy at work at that point that I considered rescheduling that appointment, but I just figured, oh, I'll go, no problem. Um, I love my primary care physician and this'll be fine. She'll run some routine blood work. Um, in that appointment, she, you know, we had a nice conversation and she asked me how I was feeling and everything was great. And, towards the end of the appointment, she felt my neck and, you know, what they always do. 
when you have a primary care appointment with a good doctor. And she looks at me dead in the eye and she goes, that doesn't feel good. And that's not something you ever want your doctor to <laughs> exactly. say to you. Like, I mean, hey. I know you know what I'm talking about right. because I'm talking to somebody that has also gone through some health exactly. stuff. So, exactly. you know, and I appreciate a doctor that doesn't sugarcoat it. So I said, okay, what do you mean? And she goes, okay, I need you to swallow, right? So she's holding my throat where your Adam's apple would be for a man or where it would be if you were a woman, right? Where the like nodule is where you swallow. And she holds on right there with, with her hand and she follows that as I swallow. And she looks at me and she goes, you have a mass on your thyroid. And I'm sitting there, you know, and I feel like I'm a well-educated woman. I'm successful. I have no idea what the thyroid does. No clue. Like, I just know it's a thing, right? right it's in right. there. It does something. We test it every once in a while. But like, I don't have any symptoms because I feel fine. Right. So she runs blood work and everything comes back perfect. Um, but she says, you know, I'm going to send you for an ultrasound. It could be benign. Lots of people have benign masses on their thyroids. Um, it's very common. So let's just see, right? It's like, you know, you go for a breast exam and you have a mass and it could just be a fat deposit, right? right. right? Yep. But you want to get it checked out. Of course. And this is a, maybe a week before the whole state of Massachusetts shut down. So it's fine. No worries about going to the hospital to get the test done. So the next week, so I scheduled the ultrasound. The next week I'm out running, regular six-mile training run for me. Not a big deal. And I trip on the toe of my sneaker caught on the sidewalk, one of those freak things that happens. And I trip and I fall. And I just hit on the exact right angle and I ended up breaking my elbow. Compound fracture, Crazy. broke off the tip of the elbow, like horror movie blood spurting. <laughs> <laughs> like, and I, you know, I've so conditioned myself through years and years of endurance athletics and also very hard work at, you know, in my professional career that like, I don't, I just push through everything. Right. So I didn't realize I had broken my elbow. I just thought I had a skin knee because the, you know, I hadn't ripped my um, running jacket. I didn't realize what had happened. Yeah. Your body doesn't really process the pain immediately. So I was just going to keep running. Um, but a good friend of mine, who's actually a Lieutenant in the fire department was driving past and saw me fall and he, you know, puts the lights and sirens on and pulls over. And he's like, no, you're done. We're, we're going home. We're, we're done with this now. You can finish your mileage tomorrow. And that, you know, when I got home and I took my running jacket off, I realized how injured I was. So he took me to the hospital and we realized, you know, I had a two inch open wound from the surface of my skin down to the bone. And if he hadn't stopped me, I could have had a bone infection, which right. is incredibly dangerous and life-threatening. Right. So this is maybe 16 hours before I'm supposed to go in for my ultrasound, like the day before. So, right. Same hospital, same everything. Yeah. So I get that whole thing done. I'm like, now I'm lugging around this big thing on my arm. I'm annoyed. I'm on all these antibiotics. I can't drink for five days because they'll interact with the antibiotics. My arm is all messed up. I can't run. I'm just a generally annoyed human at this point. I go back to the same hospital the next day to get my ultrasound done. And I'm, you know, joking around with the ultrasound tech about, I was just here yesterday and she was very nice and everything was great. And then she kind of got real quiet and they can't say anything to you. Right. You know when, you know when they stop talking. Oh no, it's bad. Like, it's real it's bad. the small talk. <laughs> Wait, right. would you try to avoid right. saying anything to me? <laughs> And you alluded to it at the beginning. This is not my first rodeo of serious medical conditions. Right. So I definitely pulled the short straw of medical problems in my life. You know, I'm just turned 39 at this point. So, you know, when all, I was going through all this, I was 38 and I've already had multiple major surgeries and um, serious life-threatening conditions. And, you know, so I've been through this rodeo before. Right. So I know the little things to look for. So when they stop talking and they pause and they, call you late at night. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's bad. Business hours. So this is going to be fucking bad. <laughs> yeah. 
it's real bad. <laughs> but I also am somebody who doesn't freak out, right. really. I mean, it takes a lot for me. And I think that's one of the ways I've done, you know, I've advanced my career so far at a young age. I've been able to push through, you know, in athleticism. I'm just very determined. And I also am very logic based. So I don't, I'm not going to freak out when the ultrasound tech, you know, stops talking. I'm not going to freak out when I break my elbow. It's like, yes, it's, difficult and it sucks but it's just like let's keep moving forward like right, it's just right. you know next thing next thing yep. um so that was a friday and it's before the state shut down because i remember that it was after 5 p.m on a friday and i'm in a bar and my doctor calls so again these are the signs that something is wrong when your right. doctor calls you at after 5 p.m after, on a friday friday yep right right so she calls and she says you know the the ultrasound results that she got same day, right. again, bad news, um, are concerning, air quotes. Um, we're going to need to send you for a biopsy. My office will call you on Monday to set that up. Let's see what happens. Fine, great. Didn't freak out at all. Because I'm like, again, it could just be totally benign. I feel fine. All my blood work came back perfect. What are the chances, right? And everybody's telling me it's probably just benign. Right. Fine. But over the weekend, what happened was that the entire state shut down exactly. because of COVID. And you have to understand that through all of this, you know, I am running a company. So I'm, you know, our CEO has um, taken, you know, almost entire retirement. She is in, in only an advisory capacity at this point. I'm the chief uh, executive officer. I'm the COO, but I'm the lead officer of the entire company. I have the entire financial future of a whole company on my shoulders. And when the whole state shuts down, including restaurants and just under half of our income comes from clients and hospitality, you know, the whole weight of that lies on my shoulders. Right. Um, on a good day, I feel the pressure of the entire weight of a company of the company and the financial future of the company and all the people that work for me on my shoulders and I kind of embrace it and move forward. And that's what I've chosen to do. But, you know, this is, as I'm sure everybody is aware, incredibly different situation and serious, mm -hmm. et cetera. And at the same time, I'm now dealing with this health problem. So over the next three to four weeks, what happened was that I wasn't even able to schedule the biopsy because the hospital system that my primary care doctor is in was hit so hard by COVID, they couldn't even schedule appointments. Forget do the biopsy, they wouldn't even schedule anything. All they were doing was COVID and trauma, that's it. So I spent weeks trying to figure out what to do. Yep. Um, I ended up on the phone with my cousin who is an oncologist in Colorado I'm very privileged to have that resource in my life, and I'm very grateful to that. Um, trying to, you know, and he walked me through. Okay, this is the type of doctor you need to find. This is what's happening in hospital systems right now. You know, et cetera, et cetera. And um, that's how I learned what an endocrinologist is. This is what a thyroid actually does. Right. right. <laughs> I, you know, and I think as a leader and as an executive, one of the things I have really learned is to not only advocate for myself, but educate myself. Yes. And, you know, as somebody that has had so many health problems in the past, this has really become essential to who I am and to being successful. And so I spent that time just trying to like move the chess pieces over, which is just trying to find an endocrinologist that had availability, that was in a hospital system that was not overwhelmed by the COVID crisis. Um, luckily, you know, I know you, thank goodness, and you were able to refer me over to an endocrinologist. Right. Um, and that they were able to see me through a telehealth appointment. And, you know, I could transfer my records. I could also send my records to my oncologist cousin and everybody could review everything. So then, you know, now it's a month later, and so now we're in the middle of April and she, this endocrinologist, lovely. She looks at all the records and the test results. And she says, you know, we want to send you for a biopsy, obviously. But, you know, I think looking at this 
um, ultrasound result, it's, it's probably 98% chance that it's benign. And my oncologist cousin says the same thing. I'm like, okay, let's, let's I'm do over the here laughing, Julia, because I know you and I know if there's a 2% chance of anything happening. Oh, it's going to be me. It's, it's gonna 100%. Be it. Like if there's a 0.08% chance of a problem, I'm going to have it. Like, and that's not me being a pessimist. That's me being a realist. Right. That's like I get your all body. the medical, you know, you're right. I get, I'm like the runt of the litter. There's something like, <laughs> I don't know what happened, but I always joke around that like, if I was born in the 1800s, I'd be dead. Oh, like, me too. <laughs> right. And I'd be buried right, right. inside. Yep. Thank you God for modern medicine. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, so I go for the biopsy, which, you know, not for the faint of heart. It's like one of those needles that's like, you know, a foot long being jammed into your throat. So I have great health care in terms of the people that took care of me at the hospital. They were wonderful and amazing. And this is now in the middle of the COVID crisis. So everybody is like in hazmat suits. (laughs) Coming out with a needle. (laughs) Basically. And I had three people working on me at the same time. And keep in mind, I needed to take any appointment I could in the middle of a work day while trying to help all my clients and my staff while saying nothing to anyone except right. for my family, you know, right. my immediate family, my husband, basically, yeah. because I don't want to freak anybody out. Cause you know, I mean, that's, that's what happens. Other problem. I mean, and that's exactly. what happens when you're leading, leading a company too. And you and I had multiple conversations during mm-hmm. that time period because it was about securing funding. It's about Exactly. You know, it's about this. It's not just about the company and the bottom line, because you, you and I spoke quite a, quite a lot and you were concerned about your people, right? Exactly. Like you're, you're, you know, holding on to this secret, going through this craziness yourself, which I think a lot mm-hmm. of people just sans, sans cancer, weren't really thinking about what leaders Correct. are experiencing. <laughs> Correct. Correct. This crazy. Correct. Um, Correct. But, well, that is a, that is a pretty big secret to keep number one and a pretty substantial weight to hold on your shoulders when you're worried about people's paychecks too. Right. Right. I mean, if I can paint a picture for you, I have the broken elbow. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I'm like, you know, if you can imagine me, I'm holding this broken elbow. Thank goodness. It's not my dominant arm. I, uh, am trying to secure the financial future of a company, whether through the PPP, which was its own, pardon my French clusterfuck. Um, trying to help my clients as much as possible because I firmly believe that it's important to make an impact on society. Um, Trying to make sure that I don't have to furlough a single person for a single hour, uh, no matter what. Um, Trying to make sure that we can pay our landlord, trying to make sure, right? And also make sure everybody's safe, right? You have to work from home. That's a non-negotiable. We're closing the office for the foreseeable future. You know, pack it up, send it home. Um, And also make sure that everybody in my life is safe. My husband's an essential worker. So he's going to work through the whole thing. He has never worked from home through all of this. You know, it's kind of all of those things. I also live thousands of miles away from my family. So I don't have any support in the area except for my in-laws who are very wonderful. Um, So it's kind of a lot, right? Right. So I go for this biopsy and... Drum roll, please. Doctor calls after 5 p.m. the next day because, of course, they do. Yeah. So the next day, which I believe was a Thursday, Mm -hmm. I get a call from my endocrinologist at like 6 p.m. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is bad news. (laughs) So because I, again, I'm a realist. I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to freak out. I just know. I was like, oh, if they're calling this late, this is bad. So, um she says to me, she's very nice. And she says, you know, unfortunately it came back as, you know, cancer and it's a three centimeter tumor sitting inside of your throat on the left side and it's spread to the right side. So we need to remove the entire thyroid. And for your listeners who don't know, which honestly I didn't know, your thyroid is like the central command system for your entire body. It is. Really. It's like if you, I, you know, there was that kids movie a couple of years ago where there's all the emotions that are the different characters. Yeah. Yep. 
I like imagine, and they are like sitting in the command center. Mm -hmm. Like the place they're sitting is basically the thyroid. Yep. It's where it's like, it deals with your, you know, metabolism and your body temperature and your uh, energy level mm -hmm. and your sleep. Yep. And yep. if you have hair or not yep. and weight gain or loss and hunger and like everything. Right. It basically tells your whole body how to function. Right. And mine was a perfectly working thyroid that had decided it wanted to self-destruct. And it just, you know, went kaboom. So we needed to remove it immediately. Right. And so, you know, the next step is to refer me over to a thyroid surgeon so they can remove it. Okay, great. So I, you know, still not freaking out because we have a plan. Okay, great. So we're going to remove the thyroid. I'm going to be on medication for the rest of my life. This is a great success rate. Let's keep moving this process forward, right? Because I'm still managing this like a project. Because that's, of course you heard me. Of course <laughs> I think Because that's how I would do it too. I'd be like, and the next thing and the next thing, check off the next thing, you know, right. at no Start. given time being like, oh shit, I have cancer and like letting that emotionally set in. Correct. 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 You know, and then I start being like, okay, so at what point am I going to need to let the staff know and craft a, like an interim leadership plan and, you know, financially, how is this going to impact me? Like I'm very much project managing this. Yep. And so then I get, you know, I start meeting with the surgeon, but it's all telehealth because nobody's talking to anybody in person at this point. So he's great. He's amazing, yes. amazing, amazing surgeon. Yeah. Um, but the Commonwealth of Massachusetts was shut down for all surgeries unless it was COVID or trauma. So I'm sitting here. This is sort of the point at which I lost it because yeah. I'm sitting here with cancer, like diagnosed cancer. And we know the path forward, but I cannot get uh, treatment because the state has mandated that there's no um, surgeries, which, you know, I don't have any feelings about that. I'm not mad at the governor. I'm just more like, I need to have this treatment and I cannot get it. So then it's trying to figure out, do you travel to Colorado where my cousin lives and he can get me the best surgeons and the best care, but then I have to be on an airplane, right? which is very bad during COVID. And also I'm an incredibly high risk person because I have an autoimmune disorder, I have asthma and I have cancer. Right. So I definitely should not be on an airplane. And then New Hampshire opened up. Okay. Well, do I go to New Hampshire and have surgery there? But then it's, you know, how many weeks of finding a new doctor and a new this and a new that, et cetera. So then finally, Massachusetts opens back up. And my surgeon calls me the day that the governor announced that things were opening. And he says, you can have the first slot on the first day, which was the next Monday. Because he's and an I was amazing like, being. Because like he's amazing. And I love yes, him. I know him too. Um, he's incredible. I'm basically, yeah, basically I had to send him love letters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Right. He's, he is basically what every single healthcare professional should strive to be. Agreed. He's amazing. 100%. Um, he, so I said, yes, absolutely. But now I have, uh, that was a Wednesday. I have two business days now <laughs> to tell my staff, tell my clients, transition leadership and to just remove total control. Uh, the company. You know, I remember sitting down and talking to you about like, what's the plan for this? Like, how can we transition yep. stuff over? What is thing? What do things yep. look like? And it was a moving target, right? And I think what people don't realize is when you are running a company, and this could be whether you're a solopreneur or you have employees or whatever. Like, you go down. Your main objective is not to take everyone else down with you, right? But when you have Correct. a sliding date like COVID gave you, which I remember you saying like, well, this isn't an essential surgery, and it fucking blew my mind um, that cancer was an essential surgery, but we digress. <laughs> my anger, <laughs> which I, again, understandable, right? I don't know if you would have maybe even wanted to go in and been like, hey. Right. Because then there's up. extra concerns because yeah, of the exposure to COVID and whatever. Yeah. I think I just don't want our listeners to, if you've never been in a situation, which a lot of you have not necessarily been in the situation that she's describing, you know, the ability to transition power, for lack of a better mm -hmm. term, out of a company at that rapid speed with a moving target of a surgery date, plus you're in the middle of a pandemic with your clients imploding, 
plus you you were still were you still waiting for PPP funding at that point? I can't oh remember. yes, yes. So I think it was almost like to the day trying to I yeah that was pulling a rabbit out of the hat on that one. That I mean was, that that transition plan was just you know, but I think I you, you still did a had a broken job. elbow. Still had yeah, still has elbow. broken elbow. But I think you know, having watched you from the sidelines, you did an amazing job because thank that, you. That is a lot to ask of a person who is a leader to just all of a sudden you know, relinquish control. <laughs> right, right. Um, I was, my main objective was to have um, at least a skeleton of a plan for leadership transition right. so that everybody internally knew their roles because I knew it wasn't going to be perfect, right? You have to manage your own expectations of, it is not going to be the same as, I, as if I am there, especially with the small company a lot of it weighs on your shoulders and it's mm -hmm. built around you and your style and that the clients love you, et cetera, et cetera. And that's not going to be possible to reproduce, but you can reproduce certain aspects, right? Like project management and, you know, billing and accounting and whatever. So it's trying to like figure out those pieces and then manage the expectations of things are going to go sideways while you're out. And right. then communication to the clients, in the best way possible, communication to the staff, um, public communication, like how much are we going to share, et cetera, et cetera. Understanding that it's a moving target in terms of the length of the um, medical leave. Um, and you know, the PPP funding, that was, if I had to focus on one thing, it was that. I was trying to pull, confirm the PPP funding for salaries for my staff to float everything while I was out. That's what I was trying to do. I was trying to just make sure that everybody was secure for my leave. And I think I, if memory serves, I think I secured it maybe a day before I left. Yeah, I think you did. And that was through, I'm telling you, it was pulling a rabbit out of a hat. I was in contact with our local elected officials. I was emailing with um, their chief of staff. I'm on the phone with Bank of America. And right. if anybody had Bank of America through the PPP funding, you know what I'm talking about, how bad it was. Yep. Um, trying to confirm with the bank that the funds have been received, et cetera. And that sort of made me feel, once those funds came in, I really felt like, okay, at least this is set. And the staff is okay. Because I think as a leader, you know, so much is unpredictable. But for me, one of the big things is I work for my staff. You know, right. my staff is my, yep. exactly. My staff is my primary objective. I need to make sure that they are paid before I am paid. I need to make sure that they are happy before I am happy. I need to make sure they understand their jobs. I need to make sure all of it. And that has always been my objective. And I, I work for them. Right. And I could not take this leave and know I'd be okay and focus on my health if that was not secure, because that, I think I would have had a mental breakdown. Like, I think I couldn't have done that. Yeah. And I think knowing you, I think one of the things I was most proud of you for during all of this fucking craziness was, mm. you know, the fact that you were adamant about when the tie is cut, when I go on the leave yes. from business, I'm on I am no longer accessible, right? Because Correct. oftentimes in small businesses and entrepreneurship, you, you know, you're kind of accessible, you know, but I was super proud of you for the fact that you were like, no, the answer is no. <laughs> like, don't Correct. talk to me about clients. You went on complete radio silence from any of that, which, you know, was not easy, but, but you did it, which I was super happy for you about. Correct. Correct. Yeah. I was very, very clear. I managed expectations from the beginning with my staff, with my contractors, um, with the people that took over interim leadership, with the clients that it is, I am not available. I'm not here. You cannot contact me. I literally am not here. The only reason anybody could contact me while I was out is if the entire company had to shut down. Right. And I don't, otherwise I don't want to know because right. I can't, I was incredibly clear that if you contact me for good or bad, right. it is going to make me think about work, which is going to distract me from getting better. Right. Right. And I think you have to do that. Yeah. So, I mean, let's, let's fast forward a little bit too. So you went in, you mm -hmm. had the crazy surgery, um, oh, yeah. which, you know, people think is as easy as like you go in and you have this thing removed and you're all good. But again, going back to the fact that the thyroid is a very central command 
of your body and your body is not the average body. You, know, <laughs> you, you went through a shit ton of stuff during that period. And then you were told you needed what radiation? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so during surgery, they found that it had actually spread further past the two sides of the thyroid and it had uh, spread into the lymph nodes. So um, they had to remove some lymph nodes, fine. But then um, they do pathology testing on everything and they found that it was a more aggressive form of thyroid cancer. So all of that dictated that I needed radiation. Radiation for thyroid cancer is um, not the type with the laser guns, pew, pew. It's the, <laughs> it's the type where you swallow a radioactive pill and then you become radioactive. Um, and then you have to go into total isolation. So, um, you, you know, COVID made that a little bit easier because everybody was, you know, social distancing, but I really couldn't even leave the guest bedroom of our house for seven days. Um, and not that I really wanted to because I was so sick right. from the radiation. Yeah. Um, radiation is terrible. It's awful. I, I didn't really feel like I had cancer until I went through radiation because before that I felt like I was recovering from surgery and mm-hmm. not having a thyroid, but radiation, um, yeah. did a really bad number on my body because in addition to the side effects of just having radiation, I have celiac disease, um, and a number of other chronic conditions, and it just made everything go to an 11. Yeah, and I'm still dealing with that. So um, it has been bad. And then they did a number of scans after that um, to see how the radiation took um, and see what else is happening. They found another mass um, in my throat. And so uh, we are monitoring to see how the mass is being affected by the radiation. We're in the lovely, uh, air quotes, wait and see period. Hate that period. Um, it's awful. And if you've had cancer, you know what I'm talking about, where it's just like, you're at the cancer center for like every freaking day, basically. And then mm-hmm. suddenly they're like, great, we'll see you in three months. And you're <laughs> and just you're like, like, wait, wait what? what? <laughs> it's like yeah. a security blanket. You're like yeah. losing your security blanket. So um, I'm in that period right now where it's like, we have to see how the treatment takes which is part of it's nice in that like I can get stronger and try to feel better, but then I'm just going to go back and get more scans and be like, all right, let's see how the cancer's doing. Yeah. Are we going to have surgery again or we get, what are we doing? So um, I'm trying to not focus on that as much. Uh, I'm trying to focus more on just feeling better. Right. Which is perfect. And I think what you're really good at is doing it your way right? Yes. Because we've had a lot of conversations about, you know, you're exercising, you're full out exercise, not full out for you, mm-hmm. but you know, yes. you're doing quite a bit of exercise. Um, you've had a lot of people kind of tell you you were crazy for it. Um, yep. But as someone who knows you, like, I know that's your freaking sanity right mm-hmm. there, right? Yes. Is that's yes. your, that's your happy place. That's your sanity. That is a big move for you to take back control of that when it was mm-hmm. taken away from you. So can you just tell our listeners, you know, because obviously it's not cancer, but we've all been in situations, I think, where somebody has had an opinion about your choices. <laughs> Especially <laughs> as a woman. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, and, and health-wise, people with good intentions, you know, have an opinion, stuff like that. Um, Road to hell is paved with them, we know. So just give us, give us some insight into kind of, you know, what, what got to the point of saying, you know, shut up, I'm doing this anyway. Um, so I knew going into this, uh, once I told people that I had cancer, I was going to be bombarded with everybody's opinion about what I should do. Right. And I knew that because I had been through about six years ago, I went through a major health crisis, not cancer, but a major health crisis. And I was bombarded by everybody's opinions and statements and quote unquote facts of what I should do. So, but it's one thing to logically know that that's incoming and it's another thing to live it. And this is, you know, this is lasting obviously much longer than just a couple months and it wears on you it's, you know, even the strongest person emotionally, physically, et cetera, the constant bombardment of everybody else's expectations and considerations of what you should and shouldn't do, which is basically saying to somebody, you're doing it wrong, yeah. um, is exhausting. 
So at a certain point, I basically threw my hands up in the air and I was like, uh, A, don't ask me how I'm feeling unless you actually want a real answer. Okay. Yep. And B, uh, I am very confident in the fact that I am doing the best job possible to get myself better. I'm using Eastern and Western medicine, complementary care along with actual like medical care. I am doing things that work for my body and my medical case, not somebody else's. Right. And while I'm happy to share that information, I am not interested in your opinion. Yeah. I'm not, unless I ask for it. Right. And I've just, you know, in the season that we're living in, people uh, feel like everybody should be telling each other all of their opinions. And I just, I don't have it in me at this point. So, you know, I was somebody who was very unfiltered before all of this. I was somebody who was very transparent in my communication. And, you know, part of the Julia Becker Collins brand was always, you know, I tell it like it is, I don't sugarcoat. And if you love that, you love it. And if you don't, you don't, and that's fine. Um, but I will say that I have far less fucks to give now um, yeah. because I just don't have it in me. I only have so much. I mean, and there's something to be said, right? I mean, this is not to say, anyone who's listening, this is not to say that she's not grateful for it. This is not to say that she doesn't, you know, care about those around her and how much they love her. But I think there's something to be said. And Deborah Vogue was a guest on the show. I don't even know how many episodes. And she spoke a lot about how, you know, where you put your emotions in regards to the person who's actually going through the crisis. And you don't, if the person who's going through the crisis is at the center of that circle, you do not complain into them. You yes. do not tell them how worried you are about them. Correct. <laughs> because they're already pretty fucking worried themselves, right? You complain out on the layers of that circle to somebody else and you support in. Um, right. And I think there is something to be said about the fatigue that comes with, and again, this is not being ungrateful, but when you are having to hold space for the emotions of all of the other people in the situation mm -hmm. while trying to manage your own emotions, you know, that's, that's a lot. So, you know, being insulated for anybody out there dealing with stuff like this, you know, being insulated is a good thing. Having your team is a good thing. The people who will kind of keep you insulated. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just can't say that enough. How right. I, I try to explain it to people as uh, bride rules. If you've ever been in, if you're a woman and you've ever been in a wedding. Yeah. And, you know, your job as the bridesmaid is to make sure that nobody complains to the bride, right? You're going to have complaints about the wedding. You're going to be annoyed about something by the wedding, but complain to a bridesmaid. Or if you're a bridesmaid, complain to somebody else. You yeah. never complain to the bride. Literally never complain to the bride. It's the same with cancer or somebody that's going through a health crisis. Right. You can complain to someone else. Exactly. Literally never complain to the person that has the health crisis or tell them what you think unless they ask. Yeah. Cause I think, you know, it's, it's always been amazing to me having been through a shit ton of health crises myself and with my kids, like everyone to your point, everyone does have an opinion and many of them are well-intentioned, but Correct. you know, I've had people say things to me and especially in regards to my kids where I'm like, you know, I'm trying not to take that personally, but do you not think I would have thought of that? <laughs> like, right. Right. You know, and I'm not saying and I don't what you mean, but like, yeah, right. I and I just want people to understand what I mean, maybe give an example. So I've had everything from anonymous people on Instagram reach out to me yeah. and send me direct messages and tell me how I should. And I'm, I'm really not kidding. This is firm examples. I know. Reach out to me, send me direct messages and tell me that I am killing myself with, you know, my plan for cancer treatment and that I should use uh, essential oils purchased from their company and put them into me in various orifices and that will cure my cancer. I'm talking about that level of telling me what to do. I've had distant uh, relatives that I haven't talked to in a very, very long time 
tell me I should just pray the cancer away. Or I've had people tell me that I deserve it because of choices I've made. This is the type of thing that a lot of people experience when they go through this. And I don't think people understand that this is what happens. And this is another emotional toll that is added to somebody that's already dealing with enough. Right. And I'm not complaining. I feel like I'm more just trying to educate. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. And, and the minute that you make the crisis, which is not your crisis about you, is -hmm. the minute you've crossed the line, right? Mm -hmm. Because the crisis in this case was about you. And it mm-hmm. still is, continues to be about you because we're, we're talking about your journey. But the minute that you turn that around and try to kind of fill, fill your void <laughs> with mm-hmm. that, you're just kind of trying to make yourself feel better, then you've lost, mm-hmm. lost sight of the, the person's needs. In this Correct. Um, so, I mean, we could, we could talk on and on and on about this. Um, but from a resilience perspective, I mean, right now you're in quote unquote kind of recovery, watch and wait, you're back kind of working, right? You're back part-time, am I right? Yes, I am back part-time, um, yeah. trying to do what I can with the energy that I have. Right, which is amazing in itself that you're, that you're doing that too. Um, for the people who are listening though at home, having just heard, I mean, and by no means is this the end of your story, right? Because as we heard you talk <laughs> about before, there's a whole other mask that we're watching and waiting on. Um, you know, what would you say kind of from a sanity perspective has gotten you through this? Um, I think that's a great question. Um, I mean, this is cliche, but I would say my husband is amazing. And I I give a lot of credit to him being a very patient partner. Um, And he's my rock. Mm -hmm. Um, My, you know, team of friends that have been amazing. my family, um, my cats, Leslie Nope and Ron Swanson, of course. Um, but you know, just trying to take some sense of control. So you said earlier that I'm, you know, I'm back exercising, just trying to have some kind of goal for myself. You know, right now I'm marathon training. Um, it's not at a speed or a pace or a anything that I was before, but it's something to focus on. That's not cancer. It's just oh, right. something for myself. Yeah. Um, There's something to be said know. about that, that control factor, right? Because when a disease comes into your body, you are then potentially out of the driver's seat on a lot of things, right? So being able to Correct. take back, I mean, would you say that's kind of been like your lifeline to sanity? The things that you um, I would say somewhat. Yeah. I'm, you know, and not to, I don't want to say like, I haven't had mental breakdowns. Believe me, the other day I had a full mental breakdown. Um, but it's been helpful to be able to focus on something that's not the doctor's appointments and the tests and the meds and the struggle with the insurance and the, the phone calls and just everything that's involved in this. Um, it is helpful to be back at work just because it's something that's not cancer. Right. Um, and to try to be able to have an impact with my team, which is great. Um, and I'm trying to spend a lot of time outside. So I love being outside more than anything. And so the weather in Massachusetts has been incredible. Yeah. Um, we've really been privileged to have some really amazing weather over the summer and now into the fall and trying to spend as much time outside as possible. Um, I gave myself a project of redoing our deck in terms of <laughs> getting like, <laughs> like all kinds of backyard oasis stuff yeah. and, uh, you know, spend some time out there. It's just trying to focus on something different. Um, it's yeah. hard, but it's something. Because a disease know. can be all-consuming. and I, if It is. It, it really can be. You know, I had a girlfriend that really, I mean, she didn't smack my face, but it was like that scene in um, that share movie where she smacks the guy and she's like, snap out of it. Right. She basically did that to me where she's like, you gotta, like, we gotta yeah. move past the obsessiveness with this disease. Like, right. you gotta, like, you are more than this. And I'm exactly. grateful to that. So, you know, I'm very grateful to my friends that are not like sitting there going, oh, thoughts and prayers, Julia. <laughs> or so, you know, they're not all consumed with my cancer. It's just like I'm a whole person beyond that. Well, exactly. So. And I mean, you could have, you, you had a choice. You could have 
let it define you, or you could look at it as a just part of a whole, which is exactly how you're doing it, which, you know, I give you kudos for, because I think a lot of people, you know, even some people listening right now, it may not be cancer, but they could be all consumed by a negative situation that is happening. You know, some would argue for them, not to them, you know, that kind of argument, but, you know, and they could choose to step into that as an identity, which right. just becomes another part of the whole. It doesn't become the identity driving the entire bus. Correct. I think, you know, for me, I've had to come to accept, this is a, you know, a journey, but I've had to come to accept that cancer is part of me. It's not all of me. Right. And this is going to be part of me for a very long time because, you know, it takes five years to be in remission after there's no evidence of disease in your system. Right. And I'm not even at the start line of the five-year mark. So for me, very specifically, you know, I don't define this for anybody else, but for me, I have, I don't even know how many years until I'm a survivor. Right. So I, you know, this is part of my personality and who I am and the way I define myself, but it's not, it can't be everything no. for me. You can't um, be everything. You can't allow it. Correct. You. Correct. Correct. But it's also, you know, part of that has to be that you have to be kinder to yourself and manage your expectations about yourself in a different new way. Right. So I think that's hard. Um, But I don't think there's a different path forward. No, I agree. I agree. And I mean, again, whether it's cancer, whether it's COVID, whether, you know, all of those things, I think it's about managing the expectations. I think you hit the nail on the head, like managing the expectations of you as a human being, mm-hmm. period. Like what can you accomplish? What can you not accomplish? What's in your best interest? You deciding it and shutting out the noise of everybody else kind of with their opinions because everyone, everyone will have them. <laughs> um, Correct. Correct. Right. Any last Absolutely. things, any last things that you kind of want to, you think our listeners could benefit from you saying? Um, I would say, you know, check your neck for <laughs> thyroid cancer. Um, it's really, you know, all you need to do is hold on to that area on your throat where your Adam's apple would be and swallow and feel if you feel any masses. Right. Um, and if you do, contact your primary care physician. Um, it's just like doing a breast check. You should do it once a month, mm-hmm. you know. Um, it is just the same part of um, self-care and self-health. Um, I had a colleague reach out to me recently and say that because I've been sharing so much about thyroid cancer on my personal Instagram page that she did a neck check and she found a mass. Wow. And she, yep. Yeah. And so they're monitoring it. So this is, you know, the flag I wave these days is yeah. really, you know, you got to take control of that because I had cancer for a while and I didn't know it. Right. Um, so it's really, really important. Um, that's a big thing. And I also, you know, the other thing for me is as a leader and as an executive, I really hope that your listeners understand and hear and learn about that. You can't let other people's expectations define you. Yeah. You have to define all of that for yourself and you have to find what works for you. I had somebody last week tell me that they couldn't believe I was already running a half marathon four months after starting cancer treatment. And that is fine that they can't believe that, but I'm not a statistic. Right. I'm a, you know, like we said earlier, right. I'm a whole individual. And if this is what my body's capable of, then this is what my body's capable of. You have to figure it out for yourself. Yeah. It's um, not like you're not asking the doctors. It's not like you're like, hey, doc, correct. Like, they're like, don't run that. And you're like, screw you. That's not the situation that's happening. Correct. You have amazing doctors. Correct. <laughs> correct. Correct. I have a lot, a lot, a lot of medical care, believe me. Um, but you have to figure out your own boundaries yes. and don't let other people define them for you. And don't let a medical condition define your own boundaries. Right. Um, or any, any negative really, situation in which you enter into life does not define the way that yeah. you go forward, period. Correct. Correct. Um, I really, I think that's incredibly important. And, you know, you talk a lot about resiliency. You gotta, this is just one bump, Yeah. you know, it might be a big one, but yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I would say those are the two big things. Good. Well, thank you. Can you tell people where they can find more of you? And I'll be sure to put stuff in the show notes as well. So somebody, people can go follow your journey journey, because it's pretty incredible. 
Thank you. Um, so you can find me on Instagram. It's probably the platform I'm most active on. Um, my handle is Julia Rifka. So that's my name, J-U-L-I-A. R as in Rachel, I, V as in Victor, K-A. You can also find Vision Advertising on Instagram at Vision Advertising Rocks because we do. Because you do. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> and I will be sure to put all of this in the notes. And if you have questions around thyroid cancer, we are by no means medical professionals. So don't no. take our medical, you know, <laughs> our medical two cents, but, um, you know, reach out to your doctors do the check, you know, weave it into your monthly self-care, whatever you need to do, because it is something not to be messed with. Um, and Julia, thank you so much for coming on today. I love you as a friend. I just love your story. I'm so glad that you're pushing through and back to, a little bit back to your old self, um, which I love to see. So um, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. There's one thing I can remind you of and drive home at the end of this episode. It is something that I know my girl, Julia, would want me to say, and that is to advocate for your health. Check your thyroid, do the checks. And by no means, again, we're not doctors, but I will say, you know, sometimes you are your best ally when it comes to that stuff and speak up and show up and check yourself to be proactive in those things. Because again, like if you are an entrepreneur, your body is part of your business strategy, right? Taking care of yourself is part of your business strategy, because as you heard Julia speak about, it impacts things on so many different levels when you are not functioning. So be sure to put that into your rotation, checking your thyroid and overall just taking care of yourself, right? And on my next episode, I am so happy to welcome Chris Thompson to the show. Now, Chris is, you know, he says that he is a, in the million dollar club. Not what you think, guys. It's that he has lost a million dollars and gained it. And he has all of the scars around those situations to prove it. And he is going to be telling us all about those. So you don't want to miss it. And as always, if you love this podcast, don't forget to subscribe, download, rate, and review, and, you know, tell a friend because who couldn't use a little more resilience in their life, right? See you later.